Well, good day to everyone. I want to welcome you. I'm so excited that you are here. I'm so excited that you have set aside some time to tune into today's podcast and just listen in. And I do hope that you have your Bibles there with you and are ready to learn and are ready to dive deeper into God's Word. And uh, it's going to be more or less just a short little devotion today because what I really want to focus on is share with you one way uh, that I think is an excellent way to share the gospel message. A lot of times we'll be asked, you know, to share our faith or we'll be asked um, to present here, to to present there. And uh, one thing I always, always go back to is how do I present the gospel? What is an appropriate way to present the gospel? And I believe what I'll be able to walk us through today is showing you an appropriate way to present the gospel to anyone you come in contact with. And I think it's very clear to understand that there's two people in this world. The Bible puts it very clearly. Jesus says it very clearly in Matthew chapter 24. Two people will be working in a field. One will be taken and one will be left behind. Two people will be milling and one will be taken and one will be left behind. Let's modernize that a little bit to 2022. Two people will be going into work. One will be taken and one will be left behind. Two people will be shopping at the grocery store. One will be taken and one will be left behind. See, the point of this being is that Christianity, uh, following Jesus, is very, very, very radical. Right? There's a song out on the radio right now that talks about how crazy it is to be a Christian. It's so crazy. As a matter of fact, you think about some of the people in the Bible. What did Noah do? Noah built an ark and it had never rained before. David, he picked a fight with the giant. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had church in a fiery furnace. Again, let me modernize that a little bit for you today. It's crazy. It's radical to be a Christian. Bringing your Bible to work, taking your Bible to school, keep going to church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night is crazy. We think it's normal a lot of times, but reality tells us it's not normal. It's not normal whatsoever. And so we have to understand the people who we're talking to. They fall in one or two categories. They either know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior or they don't. And as we present the gospel to people, even if you do know Jesus, our goal is to see you grow up in the faith, is to see you grow and get a stronger and a stronger relationship with this man named Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, we want nothing more from you than, than for you to make a decision to commit your life to Jesus. We want to see you experience the love that Jesus has for you. Right? I think an awesome representation of this love that we talk about uh, uh, is in John chapter 3. If we can understand who Jesus is and, and what he did for us, we'll be able to present the gospel to anyone. So I hope to encourage you today. I hope to bring you hope. Uh, I hope to build up your faith. I really hope to get you on fire today 
for the gospel, for Jesus, in such a way that whenever you turn this off, you're ready to go tell people about what he can do for them. So the question I need to present is how much, how much does Jesus love you? And we've all heard at some point, I'm sure in our lives, we probably don't even have to open our Bibles. But John chapter 3, verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Certainly one of the most popular Bible verses and uh, that, 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 that is written. Right? But who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus. Now, in John chapter 3, verse 1, it says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. So there's three details right there to tell us more about Nicodemus. First of all, we know his name is Nicodemus, according to verse 1. Second of all, it says he was a Pharisee. Third of all, it says he was a ruler of the Jews. What does all that mean? Here's what that means. He studied the scriptures. He knew what the word of God said. He was a well-known and a well-respected man in his community. He had lots of power and he had lots of authority. And the Bible says he came to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus at night. He was puzzled. He didn't understand. He was perplexed. He knew there was something special about this man named Jesus. He even called him. He said, we know you're a teacher who's come from God for no one else can do these things that you do unless God is with him. He knows there's something special about this man named Jesus. And what's interesting about this interaction is that he never asks Jesus a question to start with. Jesus knew this man's heart was troubled. He knew in his heart he was asking the question, what must I do to be saved? He had, he had heard the term. He had been to church. He had studied the scriptures. He had saw, seen the miracles. He'd seen Jesus heal the blind man. He'd seen uh, Jesus heal the lame. He'd seen Jesus heal the sick. And he says, Jesus, I've been searching, but I'm curious about this. My heart is troubled. There's something different about you, Jesus. Jesus, when life gets tough, when life gets rough around you, Jesus, you have joy, you have peace. You have love. I want that. How do I get that, Jesus? That's the question he was asking in his heart. Later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Nicodemus asked Jesus, How do I get this abundant life that you promised? My joy has been stolen. My peace has been killed. My love has been destroyed. How do I obtain this everlasting, eternal life, this abundant life that you promise? And Jesus tells him in verse 3, Unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let me rephrase that a little bit. In order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. What in the world does that mean? What in the world does it mean to be born again? All right, Jesus, what are you talking about? He says, Nicodemus, you want to be on Tim, Team Jesus? You want to be on Team Jesus? Let me tell you what God has done for you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me show you, Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
If you are listening to that, I would encourage you to rewind that. And I want you to count the words that I just spoke. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we counted correctly, that should be 25 words. 25 of the most impactful words ever said on this planet. Now what's interesting about this, if you start on one side and you start on the other side and you work your way into the middle, the very middle of that of that passage is Son, S-O-N, the Son of God, Jesus Himself. How did Jesus die? Well, we know he was crucified on a cross. Why did he die? He went to the cross to die for our sins. Okay, so if we can take that understanding of what we know about Jesus and we can apply that to John 3.16. We've already split it smack dab in the middle. So let's look at the first part. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is before the cross happened. Before Jesus was crucified for our sins, here we see God's love for us. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God showed his love for you that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. See, we need to understand today we are separated from God by our sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. James 4.4 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with this world is enmity against God? Don't you know that if you do not have Christ dwelling and living on the inside of you, you are an enemy of God? But even though you are an enemy of God, He still sent His Son to die on the cross for you. God has such a desire to have a relationship with you that he went to the cross for you, the most painful, torturous, dead you could possibly think of. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus bridged that gap. He broke that barrier. Even though we are separated from God by our sin, Jesus broke that barrier and he is our mediator. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we become the righteousness of God. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. And the wage of sin, the penalty for sin is death. Someone had to pay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the gospel message. Someone by the name of Jesus paid that penalty for sin for you. The second part of John 3.16. For so whoever believes in him, because Christ paid your way, if you believe, you will have what? everlasting life that is the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace is going to give you abundant and eternal life where no one can pluck you out of his hand there is nobody like 
Jesus. But if you don't believe, John 3.16 says you will perish. See, we are separated naturally from God by our sins. We were born into sin. But God loved you so much, he paid the penalty of your sin. Now it's up to you to make the choice. You can receive the gift of salvation or you can walk away from it. But let me tell you something. Paul puts it plain and simple in Philippians chapter 2. It says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At some point, everyone, no one will escape, but everyone will bow down to this man named Jesus. There was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah wrote about 750, 800 years before Christ. So we're looking at close to 2,800 years ago. Isaiah penned these words. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Draw on him while he is near. Listen to that carefully. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Draw on him while he is near. At some point you will not be able to find him. At some point, you will not be able to draw on him. My question to you today is, do you know him? If you do, I encourage you to tell someone about this love that he has for them. You have an opportunity now to share the gospel with someone. If you don't know him, Jesus says, I am. I'm it. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can't be the best because in Christ, God sees you as he sees Jesus. He sees you as perfect. He sees you as blameless. He sees you as holy. He sees you as spotless. There is nobody like Jesus. Do you know him today? Do not turn him away. You have an opportunity and I pray that you receive the free gift of salvation by faith. Repent of your sins. Draw nigh to God and He will draw near, nigh to you. I hope that you can see just through one verse we can present the whole gospel message. We are without excuse. We should be sharing this message with everyone and anyone we come in contact with. I encourage you this week to share that message with someone. Allow me to pray over you. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the ability to be able to share the gospel. I pray right now to the listener, for the listener, Father. I pray that you fill them with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you lead them and you guide them and you direct them and you provide an opportunity for them to share the gospel. Give them wisdom to know when that opportunity has came. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.